Amen. It's good to be here. Rusty, I love that face that you made when you were standing here and they started singing behind you. And uh, I thought you were just going to join in with them there for a little while. I was praying in the spirit that you didn't, but uh, anyhow, so I'm just playing. It's always a joy and an honor to be able to be here. And uh, once again, man, what a great time we did have this morning. I don't know about you, I had a great time. I'm hurting from it, but I had a great time. And uh, apparently half of everyone else got mad at what I said, and I was just playing. And I uh, didn't show back up tonight. That's just Pentecostal people. That's just how they roll, I guess, how it is. But anyhow, I'm glad to be in God's house on this Sunday night. And uh, just come expecting God to do something incredible. And uh, one, I want to say thank you so much as a church for your generosity and for hospitality and just being able to come and being to be a part and uh, be a part of your family and just, uh, you know, just join in with you uh, as we just go through the throne room of God together. Amen. And so it's always a joy and honor to be here. Uh, for those of you that don't follow me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, my website, sleepweatherly.org. Uh, you can partner with us. Number one, I ask that you partner through prayer because uh, I see I sound like an evangelist now, right? So you can partner with me through prayer. That's the most important way to partner, but you can also partner through financial giving. It's also on the website there as well. And uh, we're just doing my best to uh, just be where God wants me at. And uh, doorways are opening up. And uh, again, uh, I told you this morning I'll be flying out this Saturday going to uh, Israel, and so uh, pray for us, and uh, I know God's going to give us a good time, but I'm just asking that God would just uh, place a special double portion and some fresh wisdom and impartation in my life as well when I'm over there. So uh, be praying for us in all those areas, as well as be praying that uh, I've been working with some military officials. I know today is Veterans Day, and honored to be able to be here with you guys on that, uh, or this weekend's Veterans Day. And uh, so be praying with us. Uh, we're trying to find an avenue to be able to partner with some militaries, uh, you know, people overseas. And uh, the kind of goal that we're looking at right now is to try to place a, uh, a coin because coins are big in the military and it's an armor of God coin. And uh, it's from the movie Indivisible. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie Indivisible that just came out, it's based off a true story, but something that God's been placed on my heart, and uh, I've talked to a few people, and we're just trying to uh, find an avenue of how we can partner and minister as well on that end. And so pray with us, and God will open the doors that need to be opening, and uh, I know that he will. Uh, also, if you're a teenager tonight, or you have a teenager, or you know a teenager that needs this, out on the table, there's a little table in the foyer, it's got some shirts and some hats on there. And, uh, you know, it would be a great blessing uh, if you want to help partner by supporting in that area. It might not be a blessing to you, but it would be a blessing to me. So, uh, anyhow, it's a blessing all the way around. So, but, uh, no, there's uh, some Truth for Youth Bibles that are out there uh, that are donated to the ministry, uh, have been donated to our ministry. And, and so uh, uh, these are written by a dear friend of mine. His name is Evangelist Tim Todd with Revival Fires Ministry who travels internationally and does a lot of different things. And, and you'll find out the first little part's got some comic book stuff in there, uh, which leads to salvation. And then the rest of it's the New Testament. And so uh, it's truth for youth. It's something that when I was a youth pastor that we kept in stock. And matter of fact, we had a little bag that had our name of our ministry on it with some candy and all in it. And every first-time guest 
receive that bag with this in there because we believe in investing the gospel into people. Amen. And so if you're a teenager and you need the word, if you have a teenager that you know needs the word, pick one of those up. But the main focus behind this, these are free. It's uh, to get a teenager, and I challenge every one of you that are teenagers to pick one up tonight, and uh, take it to someone that you know is lost and needs Jesus. Because they might not read the Bible, but they'll start by the comic books in the front. And how many you know that sometimes God uses the foolish things to kind of find the wise? Amen. And so uh, that's in there as well, too. So uh, pick that up on your way out tonight if you'd like to have one of those and give it to another teenager and uh, let them meet Jesus. That's always important. Well, I went home, or I didn't go home. I went over to my cousin's house and I relaxed for a while this afternoon. And uh, just to make you feel better, I drank an energy drink right before I came, hoping that it will calm me down just a little bit. So uh, are y'all ready for tonight? Okay, you came expecting, right? All right, so you came expecting. If you come expecting, I believe God's going to do some incredible things in this place and in your hearts and in your life. If you would stand with me all across the building uh, this evening, I also want to say it's always an honor to have my parents in service with us. Uh, and so it's my parents over there, Mary and Philip Weatherly, and it's always good to have them come. Um, amen. And uh, be a supportive. They probably think I only preach one message because the last two times they've been in service with me, this is the same message that they heard. So for the third time, I don't know whether I preach the same message because of them. I don't know. But anyhow, so they just think that's the only one I preach. But anyhow, 2 Kings chapter number 4. If you have your Bibles with you, if not, it'll be up on the screen in just a little while. 2 Kings chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 8. And it says this, it says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now for I know that this, this is a holy man of God and who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for them, for him. And a table and a chair and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Now it happened one day that he came, that he came there. He turned in the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. In essence, what she was saying right there, she was saying, I am in need of nothing. She is saying, I give because it's in my nature to give. I don't give to get. How I many there's two types of people? You can either give because it's in your nature to give or you can choose to give to get. Amen. I believe we need to have a nature because it's in our nature to give. Amen. And she says, uh, I dwell among my own people. And so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. And so he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son, and when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her, and that the child grew, and now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, 
my head. And so he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up to lay him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. And so he said, Why are you going to see him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then she saddled her donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, this Shunammite woman, please run and meet her now and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. And now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and, and has not told me. And so she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? And then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready, take my staff in your hand, and be on your way. If I meet in, if you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Nagahazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. And he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and stretched himself out on the child. And flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out out on him then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said call the Shunammite woman so he called her and when he came in to him when she came into him he said pick up your son so she went in fell at his feet and bowed to the ground then she picked up her son and she went out father tonight I thank you for your word I thank you God that your word challenges us God your word encourages us And God, your word helps us make it through the things of this life. And tonight, God, I ask, Lord, as your vessel, God, that you would cleanse me, that, God, you would purify me, that, God, tonight in this place that I would be a vessel that your word would flow through. God, lift me up above my talents, lift me up above my abilities. Let your anointing fall and rest in this place. God, may we leave this place challenged and changed and transformed for your kingdom in Jesus name and everyone said amen you may be seated tonight I want to speak tonight on the subject of it is well lean to your neighbor and say it is well Come on now you got to help me out it's less of us in this place tonight and so if you want to get out of here on time we'll go to midnight because I hear great things happen at midnight in the word of God so we'll just stay here till midnight no I'm just playing so uh, you can, I'll probably leave it. But anyhow, so I want to speak to us tonight on it is well. Lend your team neighbor one more time and say it is well. It is well. Now, is this service being recorded? Is this being recorded? 
Hopefully, hopefully, okay, I just need to a, I need a work, watch my, my terminology of what I say here for just a second. Not, not I'm going to say anything bad, I just don't want to say any names in this, all right? So, so it is well. I, I was preaching uh, at a, a service not too long ago, and, and a few months ago, and I went down, and some of you will find this story a little humorous, and I, I was there, and, and I went down to visit, and the day before, they put me up in this hotel, and I have no problems with staying in, in different hotels. I, that's not an issue for me at all. I, I love traveling. I love going. And I won't ever forget the night that I was in this hotel. How many of you have ever been to one of those hotels that's just like the eerie hotel, the kind of one of the sketchy hotels? Anyone ever been there before? So, so a little background history upon me that you, you need to understand before I tell you this story is that, that throughout ministry, how many of you know that the enemy doesn't like you when you're making progress for the kingdom, amen? And so throughout ministry, there have been a few times to where there have been people who have threatened my life and have come to try to, to, to actually shoot me. Actually, I had one student that actually tried to kill me, so, so uh, or or. You know, it was long story short. Anyhow, so so uh, there was one of those, and you're like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Let's go home. All right. So, but I was in one of those kind of moments. That's kind of where some different things I am. So from that kind of moment, uh, you, you you get this kind of sense to where then you just kind of guard all of your your front, your back, your sides. You know what I'm talking about? You you just you just kind of surround yourself with people that are going to guard you and help you. Amen. Maybe you don't know that, and I hope you don't know that, but, but that's kind of how you are. Well, anyhow, I was at this hotel, and I was actually preaching for my cousin. And uh, my cousin was going out of town, and they put me up in this hotel. And in this hotel, I get there at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like July the, the 6th or 7th, somewhere right in there. And, and I'm down there, and I'm getting ready for the service, getting ready to go out and meet some people to go eat for just a little while. And and I go into my room, I set my stuff down, and, I, and I'm laying on my bed. And as I'm laying on my bed, uh, the door slams to the, to the bedroom next to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I love hotels that are soundproof. Amen? I love hotels that are soundproof. And the door shuts on the other side. And, and as the door slams shut, all I hear is fussing and fighting and, and things being thrown around the room and all this chaos that is going on inside this room. Now, I'm laying on my bed, and my, my head is up against the wall of that room, and that's all that I can hear that is going on. The next thing I know is that there's more fussing, there's more fighting, and, and there's all these noises that are happening in this other room. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's, there's, there's something happening next door, and someone's about to die. That's what I'm thinking, all right? And I'm in this little place. Then as I'm laying there on the bed, and I'm thinking about service the next day, and I'm actually thinking to my cousin, I'm going to kill you for placing me here in this place, but it really wasn't that bad, and so I'm there in that moment, and then all of a sudden, I hear fussing, fighting to an intense level, I hear things being thrown around, I hear 10 loud bangs that go off in a row, and it's, and, and it's, it's just like suddenly it is loud, and then I hear the door slam, and I hear someone jump in a car, and I hear tires squeal, and I hear them race out of the parking lot. See, you're thinking what I'm thinking at this moment. Now, I would love to tell you that being the man of God, that I just 
went out the door and went over to the next place and was willing to ask them if I could pray with them in any way that they needed prayer. But the reality of it is, is that I was off of my bed on the floor with my head down because I was afraid that there was a bullet that was about to come through my bedroom or my hotel wall. Are you with me tonight? And so I, I wait just a little while. I look out the window, and Clinton, you would have loved to be with me there at that moment, wouldn't you? So I look out the, I look out the window, and as I'm looking out the window, I, 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 I see that there's kids that are swimming around the swimming pool, and there's things that are happening, and it's just right out there. And I'm like, apparently no one else heard what I just heard. And so I go out to my truck, and, and I, I grab some safety gear, uh, let's just put it that way, and I, I strap it to me, and I go back into the, the hotel room, and uh, because I hadn't had time to go out and grab that yet, and, and so then, then I, I'm coming back in, and I go into the, to the place to where you check in, the, the desk there, and I look at the lady, and I said, ma'am, I, I said, did you not hear anything that happened a while ago? She said, yeah, I, I heard what was going on, and all this. I said, I said, did you not hear what, what the, the chaos and, and the fussing? And I said, yeah, we've had some complaints about those people that are next door to you. And I said, but you obviously didn't hear what I heard, right? I said, ma'am, I was in there and all of a sudden there was what sounded like gunshots that go off. And, and then from that moment, the door slams and the car peels out of the driveway. Did you see the car peeling out of the driveway? And at that moment, she burst out laughing. I said, ma'am, this is not a laughing matter in my opinion, okay? I, 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 I don't play with this. This is not a laughing matter. And she is bursting out in laughter. And I said, ma'am, what is so funny? She said, sir, did you not realize that it's right after the 4th of July and they were just popping fireworks right outside the door and they just casually left out of the driveway? It's ironic sometimes how in life some sequence of events randomly line up to immediately take our mind to where we're thinking the worst case scenario. Amen? But can I tell us in this place tonight that there is a moment in life that I believe that there is an it is well kind of moment. That there is a moment that regardless of what your circumstances, regardless of what your situation is, regardless of what else is going on, that it is well. Now in that moment that I was in that hotel room, I got resaved ten times because I was going to make sure that I made it to heaven. Amen? You're saying, well, you're an evangelist. You're supposed to say saved. I know, but I'm human too, all right? So, so just bear with me for a little while, all right? So, so in that moment, I haven't done anything bad, all right? So uh, just stay with me. So, so there is a moment of understanding it is well. And, and one of the biggest areas that the enemy will play with, our, uh, with us is with our mind, with our Mind. That's why he says to place the helmet of salvation over your head, to guard yourself, to guard your mind. Tonight, I want to speak to us on it is well. And I want you to leave this place understanding that despite anything that you face, despite anything that you may be facing, despite anything that you're going through or you're going to go through, it is still well. Lean to your neighbor and say, it is well. It is 
well. You see, the Word of God is filled with promises. Everyone say promises. We come to church as Pentecostal people, and, and we say, oh, man, God's given me a promise. How many of you have ever been given a promise from God? Amen? Look, raise your hand. How many of you ever been given a promise from God? Amen? There's like three of you. Some of you need Jesus is all I can say. All right, so, so we've been given a promise. It's okay. We are in a hand-raising church. It is okay, all right? But we have been given a promise from God. And I began to think about that, how that we'll come to church and say, man, God has given me a promise, and I'm holding on to that promise, and, and God's going to give you a promise, and I'm going to speak a word over you, and it's going to be a promise, and you need to hold on to that promise, and we can shun die and untie my bow tie, who stole my Honda, because God gave you a promise at the altar, but sometimes we leave out of here not even understanding what a promise truly is. So then I begin to question, and I begin to ask myself, why? What exactly is a promise? Because we go around and we say it all the time. A promise, you know, don't, don't break a promise. You understand that growing up as a kid, that you got a promise and you can't break a promise. But then I began to study what actually is a promise. And when you study the Greek and the Hebrew and you begin to study different definitions, this is the definition that I came up with as I compiled it. A promise is, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Because if you will understand this, this will change your life. Amen? A promise is a legally binding declaration that gives the person who received the promise the right to expect claim and performance of the specified claim. I know that's a lot of big words in there. Let me say that to us one more time so we understand. A promise is a legally Binding declaration that gives the person who received the promise the right. Everyone say the right. The right to expect claim and performance of that promise that was given to you. I don't know what you came in here with tonight. I don't know what kind of promises God has given you, but can I tell you tonight that as a child of God, you and I have been given the right to expect claim and performance upon those promises. Amen. We have been given the right to be able to come in God's house as His children and expect Him to do what He said he will do. You see, I don't have to worry about God's ability to act in the midst of my situation. Amen? We don't have to sit around and twiddle our thumbs wondering whether or not God is big enough to handle what we are going through. Are you with me tonight? Do I have any real people in the church tonight? Amen? That, that we don't have to sit around and wonder whether or not God is able to perform the promises that He has given. Let me put it to you in simple terms. If God promised it, He's going to do it. Not that He will do it. Not that He, he might do it. If God has promised it, he will do it because his word does not return void unto him. If he's made a promise for your kids, if he's made a promise for your family, if he's made a promise for whatever reason in your life, can I tell someone in this place tonight, if God has promised it, he will meet the need. Amen? You see, when God's promise comes alive in you, you will know the who, the what, the when and the why. Let me say that again. You will know the who, you will know the what, you will know the when, and you will know the why. 
I'm going to take you to English class here for just for a little while. No, I'll just play it. So you will know the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. You see, the who that you must understand when God's promise comes alive in you. The who is Jesus Christ, the giver of life. The what is exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. And the when is right when you need it. How many know that God is never late? You know, sometimes we think that God is late, but can I tell us in this place tonight that God is always an on-time God, amen? Do I have anybody in here with me tonight? God is always an on-time God. It's not right when we want it, but it's right when we need it. Amen? There is a huge difference between needs and wants. Your where is it? God's appointed place of power. And your why is because God said he would do it. Lean to your and say, God said he would do it. God said he would do it. You see, the word of God is full of promises. It is a book that is full of promises. From Genesis to Revelation, it is full of promises. Promises to heal you. Promises to deliver you. Promises to stand beside you when everyone walks out on you. Promises to meet your need and not just meet your need, but meet it above all that you can contain. Amen? How many don't just want God to meet your need, but you want to give you abundance above whatever you can contain? Amen? Twelve basketfuls over, amen, overflowing. It's time that we understand in the promises of God that we have been given the right to step into a thing called the overflow, amen? Not just in the flow, but in the overflow. I'm tired of churches that just get in the flow. We need to get in the overflow. Are you with me this night, amen? Promises to make a way when there seems to be no way. Promises to give you joy when there's nothing to, happy, to be happy about. How many of you ever found yourself in a place where it seemed like there wasn't anything to be happy about, but for some reason you just had a joy on the inside of you, amen? Promises to give you peace when the entire world has lost their mind. Maybe you don't live in the same world that I live in, but I think that there's a lot of people that have just lost their mind. Amen? But there is a peace that passes all understanding of understanding that I am not a citizen of this planet called earth, but I am a citizen of a place called heaven. And so whatever is going on in this world, I don't have to worry about because I look up to my Father and the kingdom of where I've been from and the kingdom of where I've called from and I can reach up towards heaven and say, you know what? It doesn't matter who's in control. It doesn't matter who legislates. It doesn't matter who dictates. It doesn't matter who's in power. God has given a promise that he's never seen his people forsaken, that he will always provide for them, even when we don't seem like it's going to happen. Can I tell someone in this place tonight that despite the USA failures and its faults and all those things, it is still well. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or whatever it is that you are. I don't care about any of those things. What matters is I am a Christian. I am a child of God. I am a born-again believer. And my help does not come from man. My help does not come from the White House. My help does not come from Congress. My gosh, everyone that lies, go to Congress, all right? So my help doesn't help. It doesn't come from any of those things. You ever notice that? Congress, what does it mean? It is the complete opposite of progress. Con, pro, all right, so if it's Congress, that means that they ain't getting nothing done, which kind of lives up to the name that they are. That's a little soapbox. All right, let me get over here. All right, so, 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 oh, you didn't make me lose my train of thought. 
There are promises in the word of God that God gives us when we have peace, when the world has lost our mind, and promises of understanding that there is victory in our life just when we feel like giving up and just when we feel like we're about to be overtaken. I don't know about you, but I found myself in many places throughout my walk with God. And I understand I'm not but 33, 30, 32 years old. I'm not 33 yet. I'm 32 years old. And, and I found out that, that throughout life there are so many times that the enemy will come in and attack and try to beat you down and tell you you just need to give up and you just need to quit my God you just don't even need to come to church on Sunday night because he preached so hard this morning it's enough that you understand to make it for the next six months because he preached from Genesis to Revelation and that's how the enemy works in your life and he tells you you don't have to do these things but can I tell somebody in this place tonight that every single time the doors are open to the house of God that I've got to be in the presence presence of God because when the doors are open I don't know about you but I am a human and I am flesh and I just need to get to the feet of Jesus and I just want to come and join together with people that are willing to press in to the supernatural of people that are willing to praise of people that are willing to shabak your way in of people that are willing to praise and enter to worship to step into the places God has called you into but too many times we give up Right on the edge of our miracle. You ever come down to the altar? You see, we serve these altars so many times like a fast food service. You ever been to a fast food place and if your food's not ready within two minutes, by the time you place your order and you make it to the doorway, what do you do? You bless them in the name of Jesus. And you say, I'm so, God has blessed me with the patience. I'm kind. You can take 45 minutes. I know you're probably having a bad day. Let me just love on you. Are you with me tonight? But we serve these altars and we serve God so many times like he is that kind of a God. That God, if you don't meet my need in the next 30 seconds, then I'm going back to my pew and I'm not going to press on in a little bit deeper. How about we get back to the place to where as I was growing up, people would say they hold on to the horns of the altar. And now some of you young people don't understand that. But, but when you hold on to the horns of the altar, what in essence that you are saying is you are saying, God, I am not leaving this spot. I am not leaving this place. You get to a place like Jacob was that the angel came down. The angel tried to leave. God was in the form of an angel before him. And he said, I've got to go somewhere. But Jacob reached out and grabbed a hold of him. And he said, baby, you ain't going nowhere until you bless me. And he wrestled with him to the point to where the angel, God, had to reach down and touch his hip to the place where he went limping the rest of his life. I I wish some people in church would get to the place to where you can no longer walk straight when you leave out of here and you walk with a limp for the rest of your life because you chose to spend time with God and say, God, I don't care if everyone else leaves and I don't care if the deacon board gets mad at me because they want to shut out the lights and they want to go home and they want to do all this. God, I have a need in my life. You don't understand what I've been through and you don't understand what I've been through, but I have a need in my life 
and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to hold on because I know if I hold on, there's a victory in progress for me. There is a shout that is coming. There is a walls that are going to fall down because I know that God has given me a promise and his promises are yes and amen and they will come to fruition. If he promised it, he will perform it. Are you with me tonight? We made it through the first paragraph. Good. We've got six more pages to go. Feeling good, Clinton? Awesome. All right. He's because I can pick on him all the time. He can hurt me later. This story that we read is a story of a woman who received God's promise, but just when she began to enjoy that promise, it was seemingly snatched away from her. You ever received a promise from God and it came to pass and just when you stepped into that promise, the enemy came in and attacked with everything and tried to steal it from you? John 10.10 tells us the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not just enough for him to steal. He wants to, to kill. And it's not just enough for him to kill you. He wants to destroy you because he knows God is a God of resurrection. So anything that's dead, God can still resurrect. Amen? This is a story of this woman who received that promise. And can I tell you tonight as a disclaimer, that if you've never been through anything, if hell's never risen up against you and tried to shut you down or shut you up, if you've never experienced hell coming against you to steal your promises, then this message is not for you. So I'm so sorry that you came out tonight. You can get on Snapchat, Twitter, tweet all night long, rock and robbing, whatever you want to do, and you can do whatever it is that you want to do on your cell phone. But if you are like me and hell has risen up against you to try to pull you down, to try to stop you to try to steal the promises that God has given you, then this message is for you. Amen? I, I began to think as, as I was studying this, and I began to think of, of those moments as a pastor that I would go to Walmart. I think I might have even said this on a Wednesday night when I was here last time. I, I hated Walmart. As a, as a pastor, I did. In the city that I lived in, or the city I pastored in, I hated going to Walmart because there were times that you go to Walmart for just one item that takes 30 seconds to walk in and get, and you grab it, and then an hour and a half to two hours later, you finally find your way out. Anyone ever feel that struggle? Anyone ever had that pain? Because you see, you go into Walmart, and as you go into Walmart, you go in, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, there were times, people hardly ever see me in a, in a baseball cap and a hoodie. Or anything like that. And so there were times that it might have been the middle of the summer. I'd put a hoodie on a baseball cap just to go in Walmart hoping no one recognized me. It's kind of like some of you this morning. It's like, who is this guy up here preaching? Last time he had a beard. Guess what? I'm working hard on No Shave November. I like feeling a rebel. All right? So I want to know what it feels like. So anyhow, so so some of you catch that on your way out. Anyhow, so so I, I, I hate going into Walmart. Or I hated going to Walmart because you go in for one little small thing. And you go by, and as a pastor, now I'm just going to be vulnerable with you, and I'm just going to be honest with you, that you go by people, and just, we all do it every single day. Just like every single one of you, I bet almost, at some point in time of the day, you lied. You lied. At some point in time. When someone asked you, how are you doing today when you entered into the room? What'd you tell them? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Oh, come on. There ain't no real people in the church with me tonight. 
There are some of you that have probably been to a place. I preached to them up there. But, but there were those moments that you go in Walmart and you get to that place. And it's like, how are you doing today? And, and you're walking. You're continuing to walk as you keep asking the question. Because you expect an automatic response. And if someone was to ask you, how are you doing? It's a handshake. It's, I'm doing well. That's good to hear. God bless you. Let's go on. Then every now and then, there is that one. Oh, you know what I'm talking about now, right? There is that one. Now, if you are that one, I'm so sorry. Please don't get offended. But, but there, <laughs> there are those moments that then you go and you are expecting a response that, yeah, it's all going well. But then you hear, well, Pastor Lee, you know, my life is just horrible and, and, and things are just going wrong and, and, and my car wouldn't start this morning and, and I went out and found my dog dead and, I, and then I saw my cat and my cat was stuck in somewhere and, and then I tried to back out of the driveway after I got my car going and, and then the wheel fell off of the car and, and then I was going down the highway after I got my flat fixed and, and then I made it finally to Walmart only to, as I try to get out of the car, this other car pulls up right beside me, knocks a buggy and a buggy comes flying all the way across and hits me in my car and then I get out and have to deal with that. And then I'm on my way in the Walmart and I trip and fall and, and then I fall in a mud puddle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those kind of people that just, their, their life is never good for them. Either I'm hitting a nerve or you just don't know what real life is about. I don't know what the difference is tonight. But we all have encountered someone like that. We have all come in a place like that. And I began to think about that. And I said, you know what? There are moments in life to where we have to understand the difference between fact and truth. And I don't have time to get in the difference between that with you tonight. But there are also times in life that we have to proclaim. You see, there is life and death in the power of the what? Of the what? Of the tongue. Of the tongue. How are you using your tongue? How are you using your voice? How are you using the words that you speak? How, how are you using those things that you speak? Because there is life and death in the power of your tongue. And there are some times that, that it is maybe perceived as a lie to where you tell someone life is going great, everything's going good, when deep on the inside life is going horrible and your family's in shambles and your marriage is in shambles and your kids are going crazy and all these things are going on. But I want us to understand that if we can get a mentality in our Christian walk with God that whenever God comes and he says is everything going well with you that we respond in such a way that we understand yes everything is still going well despite anything that's going on in my life everything is still well how can you say that it is still well it is because I understand that God has given us as born again believers a promise and when we hold on to those promises and life seems to be fading away but we hold on to those promises of God that it is still well come hell or high water guess what God is still good amen it doesn't matter if we praise him based upon the things that are happening around us we can't praise God and we can't live a life based off of the things that happen to us but we have to live a life of understanding that 
God is worthy of every ounce of the being on the inside of us. If he chose to not bless us another day from here on out, guess what? He is still worthy because he sent his son to die on a cross so that you and I could have not life on this earth, but so that you and I could have life eternal and spend it with him. Amen. It is still well. I began to think of the story. I love stories. Uh, 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 true stories. I don't like fake stories. That's why you don't watch. I ain't even going to get there. All right, so. I began to, the, the song that was sang tonight of It Is Well comes from an older song that is titled It Is Well. There's part of it that's, that's from that older song. And it's such a, a beautiful song. And I began to study that song and, and I began to read the story up on it. How many of you have ever read the story of where that song comes from? Amen? There, you should sometimes study the stories behind some of the things that you sing. Because it brings a whole new meaning of worship on the inside of you. Amen? And so I began to study that story. And it says that in 1871, there was a fire that ravaged the city of Chicago, leaving 300 people dead and 100,000 people homeless. But there was an attorney that was there by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford. And Spafford was a friend of an evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody. How many ever heard of D.L. Moody before? A very famous evangelist. And, and this, this attorney by the name of, of, of Horatio Gates Spafford, he helped the people in this area get back on their feet. And after two years of tireless effort, he and his family decided to take a vacation. Very much needed vacation. So they planned to travel to England and join Moody as he is out there on evangelistic crusade, crusade and then go on to Europe and enjoy a nice vacation. When Spafford, uh, Spafford had got delayed, but when Spafford was delayed, he sent his family on ahead of him, planning to meet them on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. But they never made it. Near Newfoundland, their ship collided with an English sailing vessel and sank within 20 minutes. Spafford's wife, Anna, survived by clinging onto some floating wreckage, but all four of their daughters drowned. The next day, Spafford received this terrible two-word telegram from his wife that read, Saved alone. And he immediately went to be with her. So he boarded up the ship and he began to cross the Atlantic Sea to go and be with his wife, of which they both had just lost four of their daughters. The story goes on and it says that as they're crossing the Atlantic Ocean, that, that, that this man was very well known and the captain of the ship knew him. And it said that at a certain time in the night when they were crossing the Atlantic, they got to the place to where the previous ship had went down and his four daughters had drowned. And it says the captain came and awakened Spafford and brought him out to peer over the deck to look at the ocean and the spot to where he had just lost his daughters just a few days before. And it says that as Spafford is out there and he's looking across the Atlantic Ocean and he's watching as the moon is shining and the stars are, are sparkling and he's looking at the swells that are swelling up beneath him, it says that he began to quietly quote these words as he said, It is well the will of God be done. 
And as he began to say those words, there was something that began to stir up on the inside of him, of which he began to write and he began to pen the words as he was looking across the Atlantic Ocean. And it was those words that were penned that said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot God, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I wonder how many of us can live a life like Horatio Spafford to where when the enemy steals our promises from us, that yet we can still look up to heaven and say, God, it is still well, amen. I began to read again this story as we read in the, in the second Kings chapter number four. This story of this woman who was given a promise. This was a woman who was a wealthy woman. This was a woman who had built a room on, the, on their house that was a room specifically for the man of God. That when he was passing through, they made room for God. They placed God first in their life. They placed him first in their home. And there came a day to where Elisha is there. And he's passing through. And he looks at this woman and he asks her, you've done so much for us. Now, what can we do for you? She says, I don't give to get. I give because it's in my nature to give. But there was a servant that was there. He began to explain to Elisha. He said, Elisha, this woman has dreamed of being a mother for years. This woman had dreamed of being a mother, but after years of trying and after years of giving, her and her husband gave up on the dream and became content. Everyone say content. They became content with the life they had been given instead of the life that they wanted. You think about that. You ever found yourself in life to where you just settled for what life gave you instead of what you wanted? To where God had given you a promise and you just settled because you didn't see it happening? You ever found yourself to where you were confronted with a good promise from God and it just seemed too good to be true? You ever been there before? To where what God has promised you just seemed impossible, it's too good to be true? That's where this woman was. And if you notice, what did it say as, she, as, as he began to prophesy that you're going to have a son? What did she say? Did she accept it and just go with it? What did she say? She said, don't you dare lie to me. I believe she went over and grabbed a hold of the man of God and grabbed him up and put her finger in his face and said, don't you dare lie to me because you don't understand the number of nights that me and my husband laid awake crying our eyes out because we thought that this promise was coming to pass and it never happened. You don't know how many times that we went up in that room that was added on that, that where you go and you come in, yeah, that was intended to be 
the nursery. And, and you don't know how many times we went and, and decorated that room and waited on the promise of God because we felt like God had given us a promise. Have you ever found yourself in a place of life to where it felt like the promise was never going to come? Can I challenge you with something tonight? Never settle with contentment. But always be content with discontent. Never settle with where you are. But always reach out for the promise that God has for you. You see, sometimes we need to know that there are times when God gives us a vision of something for our tomorrow that we don't have the ability to contain, to contain today. There are promises that God gave me at 16 years of age that have yet come to pass. But does that mean I just settle for where I'm at? No. Abraham and Sarah, God gave them a promise of a child. Years upon years upon years. But guess what? God is faithful to His Word. Amen? You see, this woman had received this promise and, and they began to raise this child and and she was getting used to being a mother. She was getting used to, to seeing the potential that was in this child's life. But the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And one day her son was out working the field with, her, with his father. And he says, Dad, my head, my head. And his father leans over to him and says, Son, suck it up. That's what he said. Maybe not in your translation, but in mine that's what he said. They said, if you're going to be lazy and you just want to go inside, just go inside and see mama. Because how many of you know that anytime you're hurting and you're in pain, you don't want to see daddy? You with me? Some of you, your parents are sitting right beside you and you're afraid to say anything. So. But when you're hurting and you're in pain, you want to see mama. Because you see, this son walks into the house and he says, my head, my head, and right after his father sent him in because he was hurt, and he walks in the house, and I just imagine it this way, that he walks in the house, and as he walks in the door saying, Mom, my head hurts, and, and I've been working and doing all these things, and, and my head is killing me, and she says, well, son, just come over here and lay on the couch, and, and we'll cover you up, and we'll put a wet rag on your head, and, and we'll turn on Looney Tunes, and you can watch your favorite cartoon, and, and you can sit over here, and then whatever it is that you, you want to eat. What, what's your favorite food? And, and so they, they, she goes in the kitchen, and you want to watch Looney Tunes, right? All right, so she goes in the kitchen, and she begins to make his favorite meal, and, and you know what I'm talking about. And she's, she's in the kitchen, and, and she, her son is on the couch, and, and he's there, and he's hurting, and, and all these things. And she's in the kitchen, and she's making his favorite meal because she wants to take care of her son. She, know, she knows he's in pain. And then all of a sudden, she hears her son begin to gasp for air as he's laying on that couch, and he... <gasps> Mom, my head, my head, my head, and he's gasping for air. And I believe in that moment she drops everything that's in her hand and she turns around and the kitchen is a mess and everything's all over the floor and she's running into the living room and she gets almost to the couch when she hears her son. <gasps> and he takes his last breath. And right before her eyes, 
she watched her promise die. But God gave me a promise. And you see, in that moment, if it would have been any of us, we would have fallen to the ground hysterically crying and weeping over our son. Are you with me? Let, let's be real. And screamed and hollered for your husband that's out there working. And asked for a servant. And called for a doctor. And called for someone to come over and dial 911. Get over here and get over here now. You can't get here fast enough. But that's not what this woman did. She looked at her son. And I'm sure there was pain on the inside of her. Who had just breathed his last breath breath as she picked him up as she said you were a promise that was given to me and though the enemy is trying to steal you the enemy will not take my promise and so she picks him up and she could have taken him back to his own bed and laid him on his own bed for his final resting place she could have taken him to their bed in their bedroom and laid him on their bed because it was going to be his final resting place but that's not what this woman did did you read this story did you understand where did she pick her son up and did she take him she picked her son up and she took him right back up to the upper room my that god that's a that's a revelation right there in itself she takes him up to the upper room of where the man of god was there to sleep and she places him on the man of God's bed why did she take him up and place him on the man of God's bed she could have put him on theirs she could have put him on his she could have left him on the couch you see she understood that whenever the enemy comes in to steal your promise that you cannot leave your promise right where the enemy's trying to steal it but you need to pick your promise back up and you need to march right back into the place to where you your promise was given to you. You need to go right back to the throne room of God and say, God, you promised me this. I didn't ask for this. I told you, don't lie to me. I said, don't lie to me. Don't give me any of these things, but you gave it anyhow. And so don't you dare lie to me. You gave me a promise. You see, there are some of you in this place tonight that God has given you promises and the enemy has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are some of you that picked your promise up and you put it right Right back on the bed of where that boy would go back to sleep every single night. But I'm here tonight to tell you that you need to pick your promise up. And you need to take it right back to the man of God. You need to take it right back to the throne of God. You need to take it right back to the place of where your promise came from. You as Monticello First Assembly. God has given this church promise after promise after promise after promise. And you can choose tonight to become content right where you are and let your promise fade away and die down but I believe there are some people in this house tonight that came with expectation of understanding God you gave us a promise over this house and we know we are nothing more than people and we are nothing more but vessels so God tonight it may look like our promises have passed away and it may look like they're never coming to fruition but God you said it and when you say speak a promise we have a right to, 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 to place claim and believe it and so tonight we take those promises and we take them back to the throne of God. You need to understand 
that you can choose to let your promise die or take it right back to the place where God promised it. You say, well, Lee, that's, that's pretty daring to go to God like that and say, God, you promised it, so you fix it. Guess what? God loves you. God loves you. And there are times that the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's not the plan of God and the will of God for your life. Are you with me? And you need to understand who you are in Jesus Christ, that you have been given power and authority through the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. But what happens is too many people just look at their promise. They say, well, I guess it was meant to be. It's quiet in here tonight. She put her promise back on the bed where the man of God, where it originated from. Calmly, collectively, she walks out of the house. She looks at her husband and she says, husband, give me a donkey. And get me a carriage, whatever. I got to go see the man of God. Now, how do you know that she did that calmly and collectively? Because any father in his right mind, right after your son just went in the house saying that he was hurting and something was wrong with him, would have immediately thought, what happened to my son? Are you with me? And she walks out. She says, why are you going to see the man of God? It's neither Sabbath. It's neither new moon. It's, it's none of those things. Why are you going to see the man of God? And what does she say? What does she say? It's on the screen. What did she say? She said, don't worry. It's well. It is well. And she makes her journey on the way to the man of God, Elisha, at Mount Carmel. And as they're on their way to Mount Carmel, that are in a distance, Elisha sees her coming, racing, coming towards them. And he notices, he says, Gehazi, that is the Shunammite woman. Go and meet her. Because there is something going on in her life, and God has hidden it from me. And he sends Gehazi out. Gehazi goes out. What's the first question that he asks? He says, is it well with you? Remember going to Walmart? Is it well with you? In that moment when a man of God was to come and ask you, is everything going well in your life, what would have been your response? No, it's not. My life just ended because my promise just died. What did she say? It's all good. Just got to get to the man of God. said, well, is it well with your husband? Yep, everything's good. Everything's well. Well, that's okay. We can make it through that sometimes. But then he asked a specific question. Is it well with your son? What would have been your answer? Nope. He's dead. He's gone. I just had to watch him take his last breath. 
said, no, it is well. Why? Because she understood the power of life and death in the tongue. On the inside, it wasn't well. But in the spirit realm, in the supernatural, everything was well. She goes and meets the man of God. The man of God says, Gehazi, take my staff and go and lay it on the child. Pray for him. He takes the staff and begins to go. There's a whole study in the staff you should do in your spare time sometime. It'll blow your mind when you study what the staff actually represents and all the things that came with the staff. He goes out, but she didn't follow him. Why? What did she say? In that moment, I believe, she fell at Elisha's feet and grabbed a hold of his legs and said, you can send him all day long that you want to, but he ain't the one that spoke the promise. And I'm not leaving this spot until you come back with me. I told you don't lie to me, and you lied to me. Are you with me tonight? And she grabbed a hold of him, and I believe she grabbed a hold of him, and she, she began to pull him. And she said, my promise gave up its last breath a few seconds ago, and I had to watch it, and I ain't got time for you to sit over here and play games. You gave me a promise that I didn't even ask for. I told you don't lie to me, so you pack your bags up. You're coming with me. I ain't worried about your servant. I ain't worried about the choir. I ain't worried about the worship. I ain't worried about any of those things. You are the one that spoke the promise, so baby, you better get back here and speak it back again. See, sometimes we get to a place of authority. Are you with me? And stop just playing games with the enemy. We got to get to a place of authority with the enemy. She brings the man of God back, and they come back into the house, and he goes in, long story short, he lays upon him, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, begins the body begins to get warm. The body, then he goes out, and then comes back in, and lays back on him again. As he lays back on him that time, what does it say happens? It said that he sneezed and he came back to life. You say, well, Pastor Lee, that's, that's a great story. That, that's a, an awesome story. But how does that help me live a life of it as well? Worship team, would you please come for just the next few minutes? Let's play that song we played again this morning. How does that help me live a life of it is well? You see, she had seen God give birth to a promise. But it then became a moment that she no longer needed God to give birth to a promise. She needed God to resurrect a promise. And there are some people in this place tonight that there are some promises in your life that you need resurrected. This church has some promises that need resurrecting. Well, the pastor and the board, they they can handle that and they can give the direct. That's not what church is about. If the 
the people, it doesn't say, does the scripture say a pastor without vision perishes? A church board without a vision perishes? What does it say? What? We talked about vision this morning. What does it say? It says a people. Your people, right? Do you have a vision? Do you have some promises? What is it going to take? It's going to take people grabbing hold of the horns of the altar and get back in a posture and a place and saying, God, you promised it. We quote it all the time. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Mm, man, that feels good. Let's preach that right there. Man, I feel goosebumps already. I'm about to fall out right now. Let, let me let you in a little bit of something right here. The power of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost was not the, 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 the main focus of it wasn't about the fact that they spoke in tongues. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a similar God through and through. I speak in tongues. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I will pray with you in tongues all day long. But I think the church so many times has put so much emphasis on the speaking in tongues. And don't get me wrong. I believe that you need to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Don't take that out of context. But there are so many times we place the power of Pentecost on just the speaking in tongues. You want to know what the power, the true power of Pentecost really came from? Number one, that they were all together in unity. How many churches you been in today that you find that? The second part, which I believe was, 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 is one of the, the main parts of the, the reason of the power of Pentecost. It's not just the speaking in tongues, but it was because people came with a passion and they were so passionate to see a move of God. Now catch this. They were so passionate to see a move of God that they waited in the upper room for days upon days upon days without eating, without drinking, and without seeing their family. When's the last time you became so passionate about a promise that was being sent that you spent enough time with God that where nothing else in life mattered except for that? See, we don't ever look at it that way anymore, right? So, Lee, how is it that I can live a life of it is well? Talk about this morning of having a vision of stepping into the supernatural. Let me, let me tell you of how that you and I can live a life of it as well. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 tells us, it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not, what? Lose heart. But how do we live a life of it as well? How do we get to a place in our walk with God? To where no matter what else is going on, you've given me a promise. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Put that on the screen. We quote it all the time. It says, but you shall receive what? What? Oh, come on. You're Pentecostal. Shout it like you mean it. You shall receive power. Thank you, little buddy. You shall receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
Now, I've heard it preached many times, and, and I've preached it myself, that that is a dunamis power. It is a dynamite power. You ever heard that before? When you translate it in Greek, when it, you translate that word power, it means dynamite power. Man, that preaches good there too. Man, you shall receive a dynamite power that's going to be on the inside of you, and he's going to come upon you, and it's going to fill you to overflowing. It's going to be a dynamite power. I don't know about you, but growing up as a kid, give me a stick of dynamite, and we can go have some fun. Maybe not living in the city, all right? Probably wouldn't be the best ideas. Give me power. Isn't it funny how everyone is always in search of power? Until it comes to the things of God. Give me a position. Give me a spotlight. Let me be president. Trust me, you don't want that. We're all in search for power. And it says, but you shall receive power and dunamis power, dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Everyone say dynamite. So then I began to ask a question. I promise I'm going to get there. So then I began to ask the question. What is dynamite? You ever asked yourself those questions before? It's not just something that you light a fuse on. It goes kabooming. All right? It's not just something like that. I said, I said, where did dynamite originate from? Am I the only one that asks those kinds of questions? Apparently so. You see, I like to ask those kinds of questions because otherwise it's just like when we read the Word of God. We just take what someone else says, what the Word of God says, and we just repeat that instead of actually getting in the Word of God and understanding what it says for ourselves. Amen? Sorry, that was a nerve. I know it hurts. We'll heal it here in just a little while. So what, what did, where did dynamite come from? And then, then I, I began to study, and nitroglycerin is where dynamite comes from. Nitroglycerin. Everyone say nitroglycerin. Nitroglycerin was, was adopted as a commercially useful explosive by a man by the name of Alfred Nobel. Anyone ever heard of Alfred Nobel before? He's the man whom the Nobel Peace Prize is named after. <laughs> Isn't it ironic that the man who created something that destroys has the Peace Prize named after him? Are you with me? You see, no, Alfred Nobel wasn't the one who created nitroglycerin, but nitroglycerin was unstable and it couldn't be transported healthy and safe. So Alfred Nobel began to build facilities, and they began to take nitroglycerin, and he was in this city over in Germany, I think is where it was, and, and he began to build this facility, and he began to build different products to place the nitroglycerin in. If you watch the old Wild West movies and all those different things, you will notice that they carry nitroglycerin in glass bottles with springs all the way around it and all these different things. Alfred Nobel was trying to find a way to house that intense power. So he builds this place and he takes glass and he places it in glass and it explodes and he takes, just to say plastic, he takes whatever he finds, wood, any of those things, and he places it in all these things and they all explode to the point that he literally blew up about a third of three cities. 
because his plants exploded and they kicked them out of town. You ever felt like you're the outcast? The church everyone talks about? The ones that say, we just say, we just, you know, this morning, like what he talked about, we wish they would just leave. You know, quit all that tongue talking stuff and praying for people and all that kind of stuff. Just, just, just calm down just a little bit. So he ran out of town and they, his, his last place that he had was right beside a river. And one day, he just got to thinking. And he said, I wonder if this will work. So he walks out in the middle of the river and he reaches down in the dirt in the middle of the river and he reaches down in the mud and he picks up some mud which is made up of dirt you with me and he picks that up and he brings it back into the facility and he begins to take it and he begins to mold it into a vessel and then he pours in nitroglycerin on the inside of it and it became the most stable way to transport and house this dynamite power and today if you buy a stick of dynamite it is made in a shell in a format that is made out of dirt then I began to think in the garden of Eden when God came down and he began to speak creation into existence that he reached down into dirt and he formed a body and he spoke forth life into that body. Now, let me help you feel a little bit better about yourself. A little nugget here for just a little bit so you can go home with a Happy Meal. As he began to form that and he began to pour that into that, God, God's forming that and all these things that are going on. Well, I'm going to skip that. We ain't got time for that. He forms it this vessel is there, and he breathes, breathes the breath of life into it. Dynamite power and dudamus power. Isn't it ironic that your body, when you break it down, how many of you think you're worth a lot? You ever went to somebody, you ever met someone that's so full of pride that they just think they're somebody? Can I tell you something that you can break your body down to the elements? This is a study done about 10 or 15 years ago. You want to know how much you're, you're, you're actually worth? Some of you think you're worth a lot. You want to know how much you're actually worth? $6.25. Think to your neighbor and say you're worth $6.25. When your body decomposes and the elements that are left in your body, the iron and all those things that are there, and if you were to take them at market value 10 years ago and sell them, you are only worth $6.25. I'm sorry. It'll make you feel very encouraged when you leave here tonight. But you want to know what makes you worth the value that you are? It's because God reached down and he formed this vessel out of dirt. And then he said, I'm going to send a promise and in Deuteronomy, a dynamite power. And isn't it ironic that the only form and the only vessel that can contain and house and hold such a power has to be made out of dirt? Let me put it to you like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this. I promise I'm closing. It says, but we have this treasure in where? In earthen vessels 
that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested inside our body for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus sake that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so then death is working in us but life is working in you and since we have not a copied spirit not a carbon copy spirit not a duplicate spirit but since we have the same spirit the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead since we have the same spirit according to what is written I believed and therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light our light our light not our big not our not our huge but our light affliction which is but for a moment a moment not a month not a year not an eternity it is only for a moment it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory for while we do not look at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal I'll come to you on this Sunday night to tell someone at Monticello First Assembly it is well everything is all good God has everything still under control and no matter what you may be going through in life guess what he created you as an earthen vessel that is made out of dirt who is worth six dollars and 25 cents but he said I'm gonna send my spirit and I'm gonna send a power a dunamis power a dynamite power and when you go before me as a vessel and you allow me to pour on the inside of you guess what your affliction and everything that you are facing and in the moments when your promise seems like it's being stolen away from you don't leave him on the couch don't place him back on his bed don't place him on your bed but pick your promises back up because I have given you a dunamis power to speak life over deadly situations I have given you a dynamite power to look into this community and say you know what community you may be dead and revival may not be here but can I tell us here at Monticello First Assembly we gotta catch a vision of the supernatural and understand that this place is filled to capacity to overflow it because there's a revival from the spirit of God and people are being set free people are being healed delivered and souls are being saved why for the kingdom of God because we have been given power power stepping into the supernatural stand with me all across the place tonight stepping into the supernatural my God I feel the anointing in this place I know it's late but I can't leave here without taking that next step you say Pastor Lee 
There's some promises in my life. There's some promises in my family. There's some promises in this church that the enemy has stolen. Can I tell you tonight, when I say three in here in just a moment, if you'll get out of your seat and come down to these altars and grab a hold of the horns of the altar per se, you don't have to kneel down, but if you will stand and lift your hands and begin to declare the goodness and the glory of God and say, God, it is well, 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 it is well. There's a promise that God wants to resurrect in this place tonight. You say, Pastor, I feel this strongly. You say, I need healing in my body. I need healing in my body. I need healing in my body. That's you in this place tonight. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need healing in my body. Would you slip your hand up right where you are? Anyone here tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you would say that God's given you some promises or God's given this church some promises and you're willing to stand in the gap and hold on and wait until God, you're willing to say, God, I'm not leaving until you bless me. Anyone here tonight? Anyone here tonight?